Pastor Steve was new in town and he went out one Saturday to visit his parishioners. Everything was going really well until he came to one house. It was obvious that somebody was home. You know, you ever been there and you, you know there's people in there. Right? It was obvious somebody was home, but no one came to the door even after he had knocked several times. Finally, he took out his card and he wrote on the back, Revelation 320. And he stuck it on the door. <laughs> the next day, as he was counting the offering, he found his card back in the offering basket, the collection plate. Below his message was a notation, Genesis 3.10. Well, Revelation 3.20 reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Genesis 3.10 reads, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Say this with me. We are word people, and we are spirit people. We are here to be helped and to learn to help others with the truth about the kingdom of God in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for all of your precious saints that you have sent here today to hear your word and to be together, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for everyone who will hear this message uh, in any other format or form of media or podcast in the future. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's so many things that we can, can teach on from this amazing Bible. Matter of fact, I think, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll still be discussing the word. I get that from a testimony of a preacher that I'm familiar with who went, was caught up to heaven, and he said he saw Peter uh, and, uh, and John talking, and they, were, and they asked what they were talking about. He said the word. They were discussing the word. So it's not in the Bible, but we'll see. What God does say in the Bible is that this is the only thing that's going to remain when all this is gone. Amen. So we've gotten into some some of the the deep deeper things of God, scratch the surface of them, and uh, I think it's been a huge blessing to me. And as I was seeking the Lord this week. He said, I want you to go back to the main thing, and I just want you to teach and to tell my children that I love them. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, 
verses 14 through 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. I'm just going to read this to you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This was Paul praying to the Ephesians. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the first thing that Paul wants is for us to know God's love. How many of you know that God is love? Amen. And everything to do with God is based on love. Real love, not the world's kind of love. And in John 17, 3, Jesus even gives the definition of eternal life, which is to know God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And so you can't know God without knowing the love of God. Hallelujah. The next thing he wanted is for us to be, not only to know it, but to be established in his love. Grounded, centered on the love of God. And then he says something very interesting. He says, to know the love that surpasses knowledge. So how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Have you ever wondered that? If it's unknowable, <laughs> well, just like we've been talking about, it only comes by revelation knowledge. Revelation of the scripture and with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a couple of parables today. Or Jesus does, because they were his, to help describe his love. A parable is just something that Jesus used often. And it's just a, a way of telling a, a story, so to speak, using natural examples to explain spiritual truths. A mirror of the natural to explain or show the spiritual reality. Amen. Matthew chapter 13 is where both of these parables are. And verse 44, it's one scripture. Matthew 13, verse 44 Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This is the way that God taught me. But I can, I can, I can just imagine this man in the natural, I'm saying, as he described it. He, he's out in the middle of this desolate field, right? It's not good for really anything, thorns and thistles and there's nothing there, but he stumbles across something very valuable. And he goes and can you just imagine him walking in the house and telling his wife, dear, I've, I've sold everything. <laughs> everything? Yeah. The house, the car, everything, the furniture, everything we own. What for? To buy a field. That field? <laughs> it must have been quite a sum of money. And even the people all around were probably wondering in that town, why would this guy, why would he even do that? It's worthless. Why would he pay such a sum? In the spiritual, as we unwrap that scripture, that man is Jesus. And the field is the world in which we live in. The field is the world. It also restates this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. So it lines up with scripture. I've heard this taught other ways, so... I just want to tell you that I'm aware of that and I can teach it both ways and they both complement one another. But this is what God showed me. And the first time that I ever ministered this, I was in a church that I'd never preached in before. And it was packed with preachers and children of God. And at the end of the message, they were all laying on the floor weeping. And so I believe God was in it. Matter of fact, I just went and sat down after a while. I didn't know what else to do. I was still very, very new. The field is the world. And, and it says so again, like I said, in Matthew elsewhere. And it's also the theme in all of the seven parables in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew. And the treasure here is God's people in the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love for the world, not the world's system, not the fallen nature, but just the people of the world. God's love compelled him to give all that he could give to satisfy his own integrity, his own 
word. He gave his only son for whosoever. You raise your hand if... <laughs> whosoever, that's us, believers. He loves you so. He loves us. Titus 2.14 says that Jesus gave himself, again, just to affirm this, it says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself. Those of you who are trying to earn your way to heaven, you can't purify yourself. To purify for himself a people for his own possession. You see that? There's that treasure. Who are zealous for good works. Galatians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us or rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. This is all a, a wonderful plan. The greatest spiritual, military, political victory ever achieved in the history of mankind was done by one board. You know who's on that board? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's The Bible calls it the determinate counsel of God. Who counsels God? He does. <laughs> Back to... What I mentioned, I mentioned Matthew 13, 44. So Jesus bought the field. But I think it's wonderful that he leaves it up to his, his servants, his ministers, to recover the treasure. And there's a lot of work involved. I can tell you, we have to find it, dig it up, Clean it up, in a sense. Very hard work. We all have to be cleaned up to make make it be fit for the Father's use, for the Father's kingdom, for the kingdom of God. Amen. Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. This is what Paul says about his own ministry. Starting in the 28th verse, he said, Him we proclaim, speaking of Jesus, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. Oh, that's a works mentality. Well, this is the greatest grace preacher of all time saying this. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Again, his energy. That's the grace of God. Mm -hmm. 
Remember what I told you? It's wonderful that we learn and build upon and grow into finding out what the grace of God has done in us and for us. That's the first three chapters of Ephesians. But then we have to learn how to let the grace of God work through us mightily. Amen. That's Ephesians 4 through 6. And that's what Paul is declaring here. That it's not me and my own strength. I'm, I'm working furiously and toiling and laboring. But it's him working in and through me. It's his strength. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul said, I work hard so that no one will be left below their level of potential. And everyone is different. Yes, they are. We all have been created with different talents and abilities. So that he can present the fields of treasure, as it were, back to the owner of the field who gave all that he had because of his love for what was in the field. You and me. True love for us all. Amen. Everything about God is love, like I said before. Not self-centered love. Again, that's, that's the worldly love. But agape love, God's kind of love, doesn't seek its own. It's out for the, the benefit of, of the other, you see. That's why I say with God in marriage, if people invite the real Jesus into their marriage, there's a 100% success rate. Just live a life trying to outgrow and outgive each other in love as you progress toward God. Amen. The closer you get to Him, the closer you get to one another. And it can be fun and exciting and wonderful. And that's the way all relationships should be. This true and lasting love. Tell you one more in Matthew chapter 13. If you you have to go all the way down one more verse, find this one. It's two scriptures, 45 and 46. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. This is a parable. The first one about the parable for about his love for the world, all of us. And that's a nice feeling, isn't it? This one's about his love for you individually. And I need you to see it that way. It's how God wants you to see it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh, this is a merchant of pearls. He, he's out searching for fine pearls. He's not someone who doesn't know anything about the value of a pearl. That's his business. And he finds one that is so amazing that everything else pales in comparison and he sells everything again that he has 
to purchase that one pearl. Again, the merchant here is Jesus Christ. It cost all he had. And to you, he says, you're the pearl. You're the pearl. I love you so. I love you so. I gave all I had because of my love for you. Regarding the pearl, it's interesting that a pearl is birthed out of suffering. It's not a natural thing that happens that piece of sand, that earth gets into that oyster and it's a, it's a source of pain, an irritant. So they come from this irritation or this kind of suffering within the oyster. And I, I notice that all the gateways to the new Jerusalem that's approaching earth, the new Jerusalem in which we will live one day for a thousand years ruling and reigning with Christ here on earth, all of the gates are made of a single pearl. There's a dozen, one for each tribe of Israel. I think it I think it's on purpose that that this explanation about the pearl is it's just sort of as a picture of suffering. Because folks, there's no other way into your eternal destiny than through suffering. I'm a prosperity preacher. I'm a grace and truth and faith preacher. But I preach the, the full counsel of God. The truth about grace and faith. The power of them. And the love that God has for his children. You were born into a fallen world, folks. Adam and Eve did that. I'll just say Adam, because it was this corrupted seed that's been passed down to every one of us all through eternity. But Jesus provided a way. Thanks be to God. Through suffering. But there's great reward. Jeremiah 31, 3 The Lord appeared to Jeremiah. Said, the Lord appeared to him from a far way. But he's near to you. Amen. And he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. So God's love is, is a very personal 
individual love for each of us. And it's also an everlasting love. He's not going to, just like the, the gift of Jesus' peace that he gave us in John 14, 27. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. I'm not going to take it back. Then our part. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you'll do that, I'll keep you in perfect peace as you keep your, keep your, keep your mind stayed on me because you trust me and because I love you. <laughs> Ephesians 4, well, Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Think about that. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. And in the Bible, sons is sons and daughters, of course. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So before the foundation of the world, he loved you. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. What a comparison. Why would you compare when you're trying to show the extravagance and strength and, and vastness of something, compare it to death and its strength. Because in the end, folks, this flesh cannot resist death in the end. Now, we'll resist the devil and the works of the devil, and we've been given power and authority. But this part of your three-part being is perishable. And one day... We'll also come to that transferring from this body to a new one. Death has lost its sting for us. But what Solomon was talking about, he was comparing the, the fact that just nobody gets out of here alive. He'd never seen anyone resist that. And love is as strong as that, he said. In the end, we can't resist the death of this physical body, just as God's love is irresistible. Amen? But Jesus, of course, by his love has conquered death once and for all. For you. And we need to make it personal because he loves you. Somebody needs to hear this today. Last week I mentioned Jeremiah 33, verse 3, where God says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. These things that were unattainable in your own strength and in your own mind, in your own abilities. He wants to show you His things. Some of you actually listened last week to that when I called out to you that uh, this would be a good starting point. And he's answering you with a declaration of his love for you today. 
Amen. If you believe it, if you receive it, and you make it your foundation, it'll give you the confidence that you need in this life to be and to do all that He's called you to be and to do. To draw upon that grace by faith and live a life of power and victory. Because without an Without knowing the love that God has for you, you will never be able to love others the way that he wants you to. You can't give away what you don't have. And if you don't know that God loves you, you're not going to believe his promises to the point that you have that childlike faith and you just take it and run with it. God said it. My dad said it. That settles it. And you'll keep on being a do-to-be instead of a be-to-do. And do-to-bees don't make it. Jesus needs you to know his love for you. So to make you strong and confident and you'll be able to do what we've been discussing for the last few weeks is to manifest Jesus in your day-to-day life. If you haven't gotten to the point where you can manifest Jesus in every situation and circumstance, then you, you haven't arrived. I told you, sometimes in traffic, I question my salvation. No, just kidding. I'm not a do-to-be. I'm a be-to-do. But sometimes I fail to do. And I don't want to. Do you? John 4.35 Jesus said, Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. What's the field? What do you think he's after harvesting? It's not corn, folks. (laughs) And is he going to personally come down here again? And subject himself to this world after paying the premium price and saying it's finished? No. So who did he give this task to? The ones he loved so much. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38 just to go on on this particular train of thought. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This scripture, when I was trying to talk my way out of this job, because I saw it as a job that I couldn't do and, and wasn't prepared for and would fail miserably, and I was right. So I said, what do you want me for? There's a church on every corner and they all disagree. I got started late. What am I supposed to say? If I was going to do this, you'd have to teach me. And he said, okay. Then he came to me in a dream. And we were walking across a familiar courtyard of some apartments that my mother and I lived in when I was a boy, a young teenager. And I was walking with him. He was there on my right side. And we were heading home. I was so happy. And for some reason I turned and I looked over my left shoulder and about 30, 40 feet away, something like that, there was a crowd of people all looking toward us with longing in their eyes, looking at me like, what about us? Like sheep without a shepherd. And I looked back at the Lord as to say, well, what, what about them? And he never even turned his head to look that way or at me. There was my answer. If you don't, they won't. I didn't have to pray about it anymore. Because he says that just one of you is worth more than this whole field this whole world. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The Lord was reminding me of something right there. You should remember that verse 38 of Matthew chapter 9. Because so often we pray for we pray for all the hurting people and groups of people and, and all those things around the world, don't we? Nothing wrong with that. To have compassion. A lot of ministries use that uh, guilt and uh, atrocities to to get you to write a check. They just flash it before your eyes. And... Never mind, that's another message. <laughs> I better leave that one alone for now. But you praying for them, well, here's my point. Pray for the workers Pray for the laborers. Pray for the ministers. 
that will go across their paths. Half the, half the people that come to Karis in Woodland Park, you know, they go through hell to get there. Anytime you try to do something for God, you're going to go through trouble, persecution, your own family and all that. But then the devil always always puts his two cents in with them. And they're like, they're, they're, they're questions beforehand. Well, if I do this, is God going to make me go to Africa? <laughs> you know, is God going to make me go to the Amazon? You know, and here's the answer. I don't know. We don't know. But whatever he has for you to do, you were born to do. You were be to do. And that's, that's where, that's your place called there. That's where your provision of peace and joy and, and everything else will be found. God's plan for you is a lot better than anything you could ever have imagined. So your, your answer should be, yes, God, before he ever asked the question. It's a lot easier way to live. Than coming with a list of stipulations. <laughs> he said, I have a better covenant with better promises. Do away with your list. Same way with folks looking for a spouse. Jesus came back today. He, he couldn't fill that list. Get rid of your list. Start seeking God. <laughs> So pray for those ministers. More effective prayer. Jesus needs us to help him build his church. He's eagerly excited about coming back. I've heard that from a lot of folks that saw him. And I know that it's true just because of his word. He doesn't I don't have to he doesn't have to come and tell me things anymore. He showed me five things right away in my, in my new life with him. And he said, that's all you'll ever need. But he needs us. The church has to be built on the same things that you're receiving when you come to hear and receive the, the fresh manna, the fresh bread, the daily bread, the manna from heaven. The word of God and you you that revelation knowledge is what he's building his church on, right? Not on Peter. Huh? On the revelation knowledge from God regarding the kingdom of God, regarding the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we only get that revelation knowledge through relationship with Jesus. Time spent. You can't microwave our relationship with God. Jesus showed us that building a relationship with the Father is essential 
to receiving revelation. And without revelation, you're just religious. And that's never saved anyone. It's it's the first... Well, look at Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Mark chapter 3, and I'm about done here. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And he, Jesus, he prayed all night just to set the deal here before he chose his disciples, folks. You remember that? He went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him to be with him. He appointed twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. God doesn't get anything out of order. Remember, like I told you, there's a reason the first three chapters of Ephesians are the first three and the last three are the last three. Yeah. In these scriptures, we see Jesus established the order for us, for life and ministry. And remember, I tell you, everybody that's called is a minister. The fivefold ministry is, is here as a gift from Jesus to the body of Christ to help edify, to build up, and to mature the believers for the work of the ministry. Amen. So anyone of you think that you might like to walk in greater revelation knowledge from God? More power from God to heal the sick, to prophesy, to have words of knowledge or or wisdom, to help heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ? Amen. Here it is. Be with him. First, be with him. He's the Lord of your life, so you say, Lord and Savior. You can't just have the Savior part without the Lordship part. Put him first. Spend time with him. Be with Jesus You'll get a better revelation of his love for you. You'll get rooted and grounded in that love. And you'll, you'll know the, 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 the boundaries of it. The depth and height and width. And you'll, you'll begin to see the vastness of his love for you. The price that he paid for you. And if he had it all to do all over again, he would do it just for you. You are that pearl of great value. Then he sent them out to preach in power. We can't represent him well or accurately or effectively in life 
or ministry until we have first spent that time with him. And it's daily, folks. It's not a once and done. This isn't a condemning thing. We all get off track a little bit. I told you, I try to go through the Bible every 90 days. And every week, I have to reset <laughs> and add a few days to that. I'm, I'm just telling you. And that's just, that's just me. And then when I find myself whining and crying and, 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 and just basically saying, why me, Lord? I realize I haven't been with the Lord. Amen. You need to learn to pray in the Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I tell you that every week. Be with Him. Then you'll walk in that power and victory that we're talking about. Be able to, you'll first be healed everywhere you hurt, empowered by His promises, loved with the love of God, not the worldly love that comes and goes and vacillates. And then you'll learn what true prosperity is and you'll prosper in life, in your relationships, in your health, in your finances. You see, prosperity isn't about money. That's just one of the tools in the bag. But yeah, money. Because people that say, oh, I've got enough, Lord. I don't need anything else. You know what that tells me is they thought it was all for them. <laughs> the Bible says you're blessed to be a blessing. So if that's the case, how can you ever tell him to shut it down? You know, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. <laughs> God doesn't have grandchildren, folks. <coughs> Only children. Yeah. You want to you want to have the things that of God that you've always dreamed of and and always know that he's there and always know that he loves you and always know that the provision is there just you that ram in the bush is always going to be there. Spend time with him. Let him love on you. You'll get there. Some of you, he wants to just tell you today, I miss you. You're my child. I miss you. I love you and I miss you. But I'm right here. Just like that prodigal's dad watching, waiting for him to return home. And he ran Embraced him, didn't even give him a chance to to tell his speech <laughs> because he loved him. We can't live a life with regrets. You have to you have to receive grace for those regrets. You can't live life in the rearview mirror. You can't live life with worry. All those things, they don't fix anything. They just rob today 
of their power and victory. It's not that God doesn't have compassion and love you. It's just that he's got, he doesn't ever want your memories to be greater than your dreams. He loves you that much. And we're just here for a flicker. It's not a dress rehearsal. Amen. You know he loves you? So do I. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your promises and your love for us. We just thank you, Lord, that we won't let go of this truth and that we will meditate on your love all throughout the days to come. We'll let it take root and bear fruit in our lives. That we'll go out and love others with the overflow of the love we receive from you. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you've made all this possible by your precious blood and sacrifice. We thank you that you're eagerly awaiting return. But you need us to help build this kingdom of God, to bring in all who will. Help us to share our testimony with, with someone. One soul is more valuable to you than this whole world, Lord. And help us to be effective. Help us to shine bright as beacons of your light in a sick and dying world.